Hello, students. Welcome, Academaniacs, and a special welcome to my loyal Academaniacs. I am everyone's favorite co-host, the Caleb G. And tonight, I would like to welcome you to a special Kickstarter edition trial. Tonight, we are talking about Axon Punk Overdrive. And in the virtual interview loft here at the RPG Academy, I am proud and happy to welcome the designer of the game, Colin Kyle. How you doing, Colin? I'm doing great, Caleb. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining me here across state lines via this great internet of ours. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a game that you and your team have been working on for quite some time. I would just like to say to our audience, before we get into this, I have watched this game develop since its very earliest stages. I met Colin at Akatacon 2015. Uh, actually, the first time we met was a pre-convention interview we did here over the internet. Yeah. And if anyone remembers that, that was something that went out during the Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first time I met Colin. That was the first time I heard about this game he was working on. I am a huge fan of the cyberpunk genre, as all loyal listeners know. So when this dude that I had not met before was working on a new cyberpunk game, I was quite intrigued. I was lucky enough to play test the game at a Catacon 2015, and it was a blast then. It has only gotten better. Colin has invested a massive amount of time and dedication to this game, and guys, I'm being dead honest with you. This game has gotten better, the rules have gotten better, the experience has gotten better, and the game has a personality. This game has teeth, this game has chops, this game has a little bit of soul that you will want to interact with. You can stop listening right now and just go back the thing on Kickstarter, because it's live on Kickstarter today. Follow the links in the show notes, get your ass over there, back this thing, because I want it on my shelf. But if my endorsement is not enough for you, let's talk to Colin and get the lowdown on Axon Punk Overdrive. Awesome. Thank you so much, Caleb. You're selling my game so well. I'm thr- but I'm thrilled about it. You know, and I, you're right, man. I really have put in a lot of time and I'm doing this full time right now. And, um, it's a, a labor of love and there's been a lot of, you know, heart and soul and blood and tears that have gone into this game. And, um, I'm really proud of it. As well, you should be. Uh, this is also the first game you developed professionally. Let's make that known to our listeners. It is. <laughs> Since this is your first foray into the world of game design, why don't we start from the beginning? Let's introduce you to our listeners. Let them know who you are, uh, what Axon Punk is, and how the process came about, how the idea came up. Absolutely. So I, you know, I got into gaming like a lot of people kind of our age. You know, when you're a kid, my I have an older brother. He's wonderful. He is the artist in our game. And so him and I have been gaming since we were little kids. And he was he's a couple years older than me. When he needed a player, he grabbed me. I got to be the cleric when I was 10 years old. And, you know, and since then, I've been playing clerics really well. Thank you. <laughs> and so but we, you know, we always dicked around with making games. And myself, I am a scientist by training. I went to grad school. I live in Chicago. I, um, I went and got my PhD from the University of Chicago from the Department of Ecology and Evolution. And so wait, I, wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 
we we've got a PhD in the interview loft tonight. We we do. Once again, I am the dumbest guy in the room. Oh no. <laughs> Welcome to the RPG Academy guys where the professor doesn't know shit. But that goes to show you what, you know, what that paper on my, what that piece of paper on my wall, you know, there's so many Oh my god. So many times you really need a PhD for that man. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yes, this PhD is in how I roll dice and play pretend in the cyberpunk future. Shut up. <laughs> um, All right, so you, really... so you got your PhD in, in smartness about science, and smartness now you're science. working. Uh, and now you're working on games. I am because I did a lot of math, and I did a lot of computer programming, and a lot of stats. I did a lot of modeling, um, and so it just went so well with my love of gaming. And um, and so I bring a lot of hard science and, and I love math, but I also love storytelling. And so those are big things that I bring to the game. And I'm making it with my brother. He's my co-designer and he's the artist. He is the art side of the of the team. And it's it's been a wonderful process. And the way it started was we had a tough year. It was, you know, there was tough times and we got separated and stuff like that. And we uh, decided to kind of help rebuild our relationship, you know, not entirely, but you know, I was like, screw it, let's make a game, man. I want to play a game. And uh, none of this stuff, you know, I want to do something new and different. And uh, and he was like, I'm, I'm right there with you. So we decided to make some cyberpunk. And it just built up steam and started uh, getting a lot of momentum. After a few months, we had a draft and took it to Gen Con. And then um, playtest after playtest, it, uh, it only got better. And people were so positive. So that's kind of how it started. Um, there's a bigger story to it that we'll talk about a little bit more later. But how's that for for a bit of an intro? Oh, I think that is a great intro. But you know what? We have been dancing around what the game actually is at this point. We've dropped yes. the name. We've dropped the genre. Why don't we give people the elevator pitch? Give us that quick little intro about what Axon Punk Overdrive is and uh, get us hooked on the flavor. Absolutely. So Axon Punk Overdrive is a combination of classic cyberpunk and hip-hop that we brought together to make a tabletop game that is focused on improvisation, collaboration, and community building to uh, oppose corporate oppression in the megacities of 2085. Well said. Well summarized. That is a great pitch for Axon Punk Overdrive. Let's, let's dig into this a little bit. Let's unpack what you laid on us here Colin, uh, classic cyberpunk. So we are talking about the William Gibson era, the granddaddy of the genre. We all love Shadowrun. We all love tech and magic. Yep, respect. You can't not love it. Well, you can, but then you're wrong. Yep. And we got to talk about it, you know? It's it's a big <laughs> thing, you know? Yes. Uh, e even though Mr. William Gibson is on record for saying he does not care for Shadowrun, that's okay. I'll let that one slide. Uh, so this this is the uh, more gritty, realistic cyberpunk. This is uh, Judge Dredd. This is yes. a little bit of any 90s, early 2000 hackers, post-apocalyptic mega corporations run the world. They have taken over the government. They oppress us all. We yep. are the badass little guys on the street fighting back absolutely so i i love it i love that genre it is so rich and evocative uh, th there's a lot of 
opportunity within this genre to create your own story, tell your own tale, mm-hmm. uh, still operating within the context of the overall flavor that mm-hmm. the game holds. That's one of the interesting things in tabletop gaming. A lot of well-developed games that have very large narrative structure, it's difficult to break into the narration unless you know the narration backwards and forwards. Yeah. It's tough to tell a story in the Forgotten Realms unless you know the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. Cyberpunk as a genre is such a mismatch of everything that you can always wheedle your own story in there and it works. Absolutely. And I've only been experiencing that in spades. At playtests and conventions, I've had 12-year-old girls at my table. I've had 60-something-year-old men. And they're just all into the flavor. You know, they haven't even seen The Matrix. But they know. It's like, it's sunglasses at night. Neon. Done. <laughs> and they're like, okay, go. It's really accessible in a, in a really kind of, you know, in a slightly counterintuitive, but really functional way. I love it. The dystopian future that the cyberpunk genre presents to us as players is one of those fantasy genres that is not that much of a separation from reality. And I think that's why it is so easy to grasp onto. Mm -hmm. Thinking of things like magic and dragons and elves and orcs requires a lot more suspension of disbelief. uh, And there's an element of confidence that players need in those tropes Mm -hmm. of the genre. Cyberpunk doesn't really require that much of a stretch it's all computers it's all tech it's all things we have literally on the table in front of us yes i'm talking into a computer screen into the internet to colin who is states away i've got another computer that fits in the palm of my hand in my pocket and a slightly larger one that fits in my cargo pockets sitting over there charging (laughs) i've got bluetooth devices on my wrist what, We're living what's, it, man. What's make-believe? <laughs> what the hell is make-believe? We just don't have the oppressive dictator telling us what to do. And that's why I think this is so fun. That's why I think cyberpunk is a fantastic genre. That's why I love it so much, guys. I say all the time why cyberpunk is my favorite, why Shadowrun is my favorite. It's because of how accessible the genre is and how fun it is to play in. That's one of the many reasons why I love Axon Punk Overdrive so much. It is a really, really accessible way to experience this genre that is so entertaining. Uh, getting back to your elevator pitch, though, you touch on a lot of other things. You touched on hip hop. You mm-hmm. touched on community. You mm-hmm. touched on uh, fighting against oppression, kind of making a name for yourself. So mm-hmm. let's start unpacking the rest of that. We're going to start with hip-hop because that's the most exciting thing about this. That Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest things you have changed in the years I've been watching you work on this. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to bet that that is the thing that my audience is the most interested in right now. (laughs) Well, I hope so. I love the cyberpunk genre, but it's it's the extra spice that gets me out of bed in the morning. And it is what I really love. And it is a whole thing to unpack. And because, you know, what makes it hip-hop? Um, you know, the rules, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I feel, you know, with this classic cyberpunk stuff that you were talking about so wonderfully, Caleb, if you look back at the, at the Gibson books and a lot of that old stuff in the 80s and early 90s, it's really diverse. It has a lot of 
people of color and a lot of really interesting influences, multicultural stuff from all over the world, musical influences, you know, especially the, the Sprawl trilogy with like, we could talk about that for days. But, um, but you know, there are these really cool, like voodoo, Loa, in the net AI things, and Caleb loves them because they're brilliant. And it's just this great thing. And so I wanted to do Cyberpunk because, um, for many reasons, but in part because of this accessibility, because of this diversity element. And so I got into this and I was like, yeah, you know, it's just going to be there. You know, I'm finding you got to distinguish yourself a little bit. And these, the music that I've been listening to when I was writing, these games and what I've been listening to since since I got out of high school basically is hip hop and is you know political rap is sci-fi hip hop futuristic type of stuff and um, that was a lot of what inspired the game and is just naturally associated with cyberpunk in my mind um, you know in addition to the punk and heavy metal elements that are classically there you know back in the 70s and 80s the hip hop DJs were mixing it up. With it, with the punks and with the metal people, you know, it was all the counterculture back then. And so it's just like, yeah, you know, let's just embrace what, in my opinion, is already there and really bring up the flavor. I was nervous about doing this in many ways because as much research as I can do in my home alone, it's hard and you want to do it right or you want to do it well. You're never going to do it perfect, but it's worth trying. And so I went to every diversity panel, read everything I could get my hands on. And the answer is to talk to people. You know, you get out there, you put yourself out there, you open your heart up and you say, I don't exactly know what I'm doing, but I really want to try. And I love it. It's what gets me fired up and it's what I want to do. And I think it's, it's a good idea. And some people might say, well, I think you need to do a little bit more research, play test it more, X, Y, and Z, you know, and you just say, yes, thank you. I will. And you go and do it. <laughs> you know, and I spent a year or so kind of doing that by myself. And then I started really leaning into it. And I said to my brother, this is what, what I want to do. But to give you all a frame of reference, think of Cowboy Bebop and then its sister show, which is Samurai Shamplu, which um, Cowboy Bebop is space bounty hunters to jazz. And Samurai Shamplu is feudal Japan samurais to hip hop. And so we are doing this classic cyberpunk, which is on Earth, dystopian, near future, gritty, urban, mega cities, Judge Dredd. And we take that and we give it that rhythm and that beat that you feel when you're watching Cowboy Bebop. But this is underground hip hop. And this is stuff like Tupac and Eric Badu, Deltron 3030, MF Doom. The list <laughs> is long. But I really wanted to bring that stuff in and I wanted to do it well. And so I talked to people and I made a team. One of the key people is the lead of the Sugar Gamers. The Sugar Gamers are an organization based out of Chicago. And it's a group of women and underrepresented people in the gaming world. And they're the coolest people ever. And I met them at a couple of conventions and I went to all of their panels and I hung out with them. And I got to know the leader, Keisha, who's the best. And she got to talking about things. And I was like, I really kind of want to do this hip hop angle, Keisha. What do I do? And she says, you work with me. We collaborate. You get in with my team. You know, let's figure out how to do your art right. Let's figure out how to do your content right. You know, you've got good bones. The stuff is already there. Let's just make a team and really run with it. <laughs> and I said, all right. And then that's what we've been doing for the past few months is just going nuts and calling everybody we know and figuring out and playtesting it like mad and just really embracing it and just saying, you know what, 
we're not going to try and walk the middle road. Let's do it this for ourselves. Let's make what gets us excited and what flows when we write and flows when we game and what is we're listening to, what we're already listening to, and just do what we makes us ha- what makes us happy and not worry about it. And then we started bringing in some elements and things like that, and that's how it became the hip hop influence. I love it. I want to play it all the time. <laughs> As well, you should. You made it. You you should play it all the time, Colin. I, I think one of the most important things to pull out of that explanation is that you took the real world inspiration and made it actually part of the game. A lot of the times when we are working on a project, we have music in the background. Mm -hmm. I know that personally as a GM, I like to find songs that fit the mood of the campaign I'm writing or the session I'm working on or the character I'm trying to flesh out in a story because it puts me in the mindset of what I want to think about for this element of the story. Mm -hmm. But there's always a line between the two. There's always, this is my inspiration in the real world as I am writing and I'm extracting some elements into the fiction. As a great example, in some of my Call of Cthulhu games, I have defined chapter and story arcs by different queen songs and gone from there. Uh, I don't know if my players actually knew that, so maybe I just spoiled a couple things there if they're paying attention. That's brilliant. I love it. But I did not work within the evocative nature of that music. I took from it and created. Colin took from it, created, but then pulled that inspiration along with him and smacked it right into the setting itself. I think it's awesome that you are giving players something to help them latch onto the game world. You mentioned the inspiration of a lot of modern day music that we all know. Mm -hmm. And bringing those elements into the game world gives players a foundation, something to ground themselves with. One of the best examples I can give here is the Church of Tupac. The Church of Tupac in the game world uses the music we know in reality right now, in the real time, as hymns, as a meditation, as a form of inspiration and a place to find peace and a place to center yourself in this chaotic world of Axon Punk, you can get into the headspace of your character simply by knowing what you know about music now. And you can carry over those emotions. It is a really beautiful way to bring in the flavor, bring in the themes, and, and keep Axon Punk flowing. We we throw the word flow around a <laughs> lot. We throw around improv and community building. My experience with Axon Punk has been very fluid, has been very, let's make this up. Let's tell the story. You want to do this. You want to do that. Let's figure this out together. Let's work together. And while I am not a musician, I understand the concepts of creating music, uh, mostly from television, and I think that's what it's like in a recording studio. That's a jam session. You're throwing things back and forth. You're really creating this environment of telling a story instead of creating music. And Colin, the fact that you have brought in this greater team, it's not just you and your brother in your kitchen making this happen. You found the people that help and want to make it better. Uh, Of course, in the show notes, we will see links to the group that Colin is working with here to help bring around that aspect of theme and flavor and music and community. 
there is so much going into this game that is just a wonderful, wonderful thing, of course, over on the Kickstarter as well, uh, because Axon Punk is live on Kickstarter right this very moment. You can read a whole lot more about everything Colin and his team are doing. Let's move away from the flavor a little bit. Let's talk about some of the rules. Mm -hmm. I've watched Axon Punk evolve through several different rule iterations. The main concepts, core themes have always been there. Their execution, though, has been evolved and refined. So let's talk about the mechanics a little bit. What are what are players getting into when they pick up a character sheet? I drew a lot of inspiration from Dungeon World and from the Apocalypse World systems. They're wonderful in many ways, because when I first played Dungeon World, it just changed my view of gaming. And so we have that focus on like Caleb said, you know, having this this fast-paced game where it's back and forth. And so we have tried to put everything that you need on character sheets, on cheat sheets, so there's no rulebook flipping during the play session. And so it's very streamlined rules, which was a big focus of ours because as much as I love science fiction and as much as I want to play those games, it's so easy to get off the rails and into deep levels of rules where it's easy to slow things down. So we wanted to just strip that down and focus on the story elements in many ways, but also keep enough crunch to have it feel really rewarding and try and have it feel satisfying and make every rule that is in there add to the flavor and make it everything cyberpunk, everything hip-hop. And if it doesn't, it, it gets booted. Cool, cool, cool. With uh, with that in mind, let, let's give our listeners a little bit of a taste here. Just like most tabletop games, there are stats and there are skills, but in Axon Punk, you've taken some inspiration from some other th systems and given us kind of an interesting way to uh, let the stats and skills interact with each other. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? Yes, I wanted a simple core mechanic. We reduced it down. We've got five nice stats. And basically, what you, anytime you want to do something in our game, we have a little three-step process that I like. You state your objective, what you want to achieve. You're jumping out of a moving car and you don't want to die. Great. <laughs> That's the thing you want to achieve. Then you tell us how you do it. And you pick basically one of our stats. And so we have five stats that are hip-hop flavored and cyberpunk flavored in their own way. You know, we've got this nice blend that we've tried to bring into every aspect of the game. And so you have your impact, which is physical strength, your force. Your flow is your speed, your dexterity. Freestyle is your innovation, how you make, how quick, how good you are at making things up. Databank, which is your recall, your memory. And then you have your soul, which is your social stat, how well you interact with people, how, uh, how human you are in this cyberpunk age. Because you can be a cyborg, you can be an artificial intelligence type thing. And if you don't have a lot of soul, you're going to come across as wooden or mechanical. And so you pick your stat and, you know, are you, rolling with the hit are you taking it on the shoulder you know are you you know whatever you want to say and then in addition to that if you have any training if you have any skills that are relevant to this action you can then bring it in and it's on the player to then justify the use of the training in this situation and so we don't say i want you to make a spot check or whatever you know you'd say what do you want to do okay you're doing that okay well that sounds like you're going to use that stat and hopefully the players will start coming up with this whole process themselves. People get into it and they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing it this way. I'm going to use this stat. And um, and then they bring in something from their character's background, from their training. And they say, oh, well, I have you know this training in martial arts and it's relevant to 
you know, me tumbling with the hit. It's like, oh, that makes sense. You know, you did tumbling when you were doing Kung Fu. Great. You know, you can use your martial arts training when you're jumping out of the car because the player has justified it. And it's great. It adds to the story. Use This is a cyberpunk world where we're making things up. We're using things in new, unorthodox ways all the time. So let's break open all of those boundaries and just let you mash it up. You know, you only pick one stat and one training at a time, so the math works out. But you kind of arrange it and the GM can make the call. It's really fun to see people scramble and think. And I'm hoping that, you know, that kind of translate that it, it translates that experience from what the character in the moment is doing to what the player is doing. And then they get frantic too in a fun way. But it's a simple choice. We have five stats. We have 13 skills. You're not going to be proficient in all of them. So you're really only picking between maybe five things and then another five things. And so it works pretty well. Yeah, and that's how it works. And we have some other things that can play into that. Um, like we have this exhaustion mechanic where you can push yourself if you get a bad roll or if you're just almost there. Because this is a fast-paced kind of anime action sci-fi game where you can really push your character past their limits. And it doesn't have any negative consequences at first, but it starts to catch up with you after a little while. And we have like a little kind of spiral where you get pulled down by having to push yourself. And it's fun. Caleb, you've gotten into it in the playtest. You had like six exhaustion tokens and it was just, I was just so happy with you. Yeah, the very first time I played this game was back at Akatacon 2015. I was either the cyberized or, or the hacker. I don't remember. I think you were the cyborg. Yeah. I, I was the cyborg, yeah, because I, I was in combat and I was absolutely pushing myself, taking on these levels of exhaustion. Exhaustion, as Colin explained, you can choose to buy this bonus after you roll your dice. So essentially you are choosing to push yourself harder, knowing the consequences that you can see in front of you on the character sheet. And when you have multiple levels of exhaustion, you also start taking penalties to all your roles. You have this really great, very dangerous resource management of uh, action economy. I need to do this better, but I have so many negatives, but I need to push myself harder to offset these negatives, but that gives me more negatives. And it's it really feeds the story. That is my favorite part about that because it is a, a great way to really engage with the desperate elements we are talking about as we are telling this story. Um, some of the other cool things that I like about the mechanics are the improvisation that each character class has. And this is basically a short paragraph describing something that your character class is good at making up on the fly. And part of the improv mechanic is that you as a player are supposed to rationalize your actions, justify why you are doing this, and negotiate with the GM. So right there on your character sheet, you've got something that is encouraging you to invent new things about the world and balance it with the GM who is helping organize this story. It, it's not just a carte blanche, you can do whatever you want, and the GM has to deal with it. It is saying, come up with something cool, as a group, figure it out. As a cyberized, uh, the cyborgs in the game here, I did things like shutting off my limbs to get bonuses to other actions. Basically shutting down my robot parts 
to give me a bonus while I was aiming a gun. As the street merc, the the rough and tumble uh, face on the street who has all these connections and network skills, I was doing things like inventing contacts with street gangs, coming up with something personal that I knew about this one specific NPC in order to gain some leverage. So there are lots of cool things you can do. Honestly, the improvisation it doesn't even tell you mechanically what happens. It's not saying do this mm-hmm. and roll that. It's just saying make something up. And if the GM needs to come up with some sort of cost or consequence, that's part of this. So it's a really, really cool way to encourage everyone at the table to participate in storytelling. And I think this is a very effective method at giving people confidence who are not role players or do not feel that they are role players. We all can make up a story, but some people don't feel that they're as good at it as other people. They don't have that confidence. Seeing something like this on your character sheet gives them that confidence at, and it encourages them to play along. There, there's a lot more on the character sheet. There are lifestyle moves that are kind of like feats and special abilities. Different characters get all kinds of different things. The AI and hackers get all these fun little programs that they can drop into other systems and make things happen. If you ever wanted to explode someone's cell phone, you can do that offensively or defensively. You can get all kinds of really cool cybernetic equipment and body mods that do various things to you. And of course, there's all the tropey pieces of equipment. Uh, There's all kinds of different stim packs and drugs that you can pick up that do different things, very deadly weapons that I think add a very nice level of realism and danger to the world itself. You've also included some really nice elements with backgrounds and troubles as they lead to your roleplay rewards. And I definitely see some inspiration from the uh, Powered by Apocalypse games in there. So why don't we talk about that a little bit? Because I think this is a nice thing to highlight about Axon Punk. Absolutely. Thank you. Just like with the rules Caleb was talking about, you know, we brought in a lot of elements to help encourage people to roleplay when you don't really know what you're doing. And so to help encourage people to bring in the elements of their character and to diversify their role play, we wanted to bring in a couple of things, not too many things to overwhelm people, but to help flesh out their character and bring in specifically some of the flavor of the world that we are trying to develop. You know, like I said, it's hip hop inspired, it's classic cyberpunk, but it's a little bit more. It's got this edge and we want to push you into this other space, which is maybe a little bit outside of your comfort zone, maybe right in it, who knows? But in these characters, we have your background, and we have three different backgrounds to choose from. We have a military background, and we have a corporate background, and we have a street background. You pick from one of those to help you kind of flesh things out, and each one has, like in the Apocalypse World system, a suggestion on what your character might do. We call it, our, we call it your instinct in this game, so you get an instinct from your background. And then in addition to that, you have your trouble Um, which you can roll on a random table because you don't always get to pick your trouble, or you can make it up yourself for your own flavor if you really want to play your thing. But for both of these, if you have a nice scene or you bring it into your roleplay where it changes the choices your character is making, 
and adds to the plate where everyone is enjoying it because everyone's at the table and no one's, you know, stealing thunder or anything like that. Then you will get a reward at the end of the session. And part of it is what I love about this, this choice is that it's not the GM doling out the experience. It is little questions and the player answers them yes or no themselves. The GM helps, but you know, it's not the GM playing favorites. The choices are on the table. The player knows what is available and they can move the story to help engage these things. And it just makes a better story for everyone. And so far, it hasn't detracted from the story. It hasn't clogged things up. And it's really only spurned roleplay on and created much more flavorful characters that are complicated and have backgrounds and have troubles and are working on their things while still being connected to the group. And I just, I really like it. And so we drew that from some, from some previous things. And we also have a, the third experience reward. We have three questions. And the third question is, did you contribute meaningfully to, the, to your community? We have a big focus on, um, which I'll dig into a little bit here in a second, but um, a big focus on the community that you live in, in these mega cities. The corporations have taken over and they live on the other side of the wall and they have made everyone else live in what we call the civilian zones. And so it's flattened everything and it's just this horrible corporate oppression. And so you have to depend on other people to survive. And so over time, you build up this community and the players help much like Caleb was talking about with the improvisation, the players make up locations and NPCs, and um, we have a little system to stat them out and, and kind of structure it. So again, you know, you're adding your own flavor, but with these twists that we really want. Um, and so if you take the time to contribute to your community, then you'll get an experience point uh, bonus too. And this way, you know, you don't have to try and force doing all three in a session. You can kind of pick one fit that in this session, you know, maybe next session you focus more on your trouble, you have a little scene. It just gives people options. You don't have to do it, but it gives you options. And um, and I think that's great to really help new players create this thing where you're, um, you're like, I don't know what I should be role-playing for. You know, what are we doing? How do we win? You know, well, you don't win. You know, you have fun. Pick something that intrigues you and go with it. So that's what we tried to really play with and encourage people. I love all of those concepts as a source of inspiration to aid in the gameplay, to make it more fun and engaging. I also like the fact that troubles and backgrounds can evolve and they can change during the course yes. of the game simply because I start mm -hmm. with a certain motivation or instinct or problem to deal with does not mean I am saddled with that for the life however long or short it may be of my character you are encouraging players mm -hmm. to maybe resolve a certain problem and then deal with a consequence that arises so a new motivation a new consequence a new trouble is there why don't we touch a little bit on community since yes. you did bring that up colin you made yourself a little team you made yourself a little community as you were developing axon punk overdrive so why don't you Explain to us a little bit about that aspect of the game. Absolutely. You know, we've got this vision of these hyper-dense cities, and there's just this march of urbanization and globalization that is already happening. You know, like Caleb said, with, with the classic cyberpunk, it's got the flavor, and it's familiar, and it's kind of scary in that way, but engaging. And so we wanted to really bring in this community element where you know who your neighbors are. And because we're running out of resources, it's a dystopian future, you're, you've got to depend on your neighbors to survive. And it's a very um, service-focused economy. 
there's a lot of economic activity. It's hyperbolic capitalism, but it is a lot of these service industry stuff where people are figuring things out with the community. And in, in a lot of these cyberpunk games, you will get a job from like a, you know, a shadowy mega corporation and you're hired to do corporate espionage from another corporation and you are used as a pawn. And you find out, you know, you're just a brick in the wall, a cog in the machine, and you, you just wish you could oppose it. But that's the that's the conflict, is that these, you know, titanic global figures are moving you around and you wish you can, you know, you work towards being a thorn in their side and eventually bringing down these um, colossal figures. So we wanted to to switch it and make it a lot more grassroots. You know, maybe you are these awesome freedom fighters doing great things, but you also have to eat at the end of the day and you have to sleep someplace. And so we wanted to give people a hideout, you know, figure out what their local bar is, what their local restaurant, what their me uh, favorite music venue is. Because in this world where it's so dense, those things matter. They matter to us today, but even more in, in the future, in our future. And so the idea is that you build this little community together. If you're doing a campaign, you would have, you know, a few pre-made places that already have the flavor. Caleb talked about the Church of Tupac, which I love. <laughs> and that would be a standard thing that you would get, you know, and we have this, you know, nuclear reactor powered mega skyscraper that is an urban farm hydroponic thing that provides energy and food for this city. And so that's kind of a standard thing that we use in our world to help bring the ecology, make it, make it a functional world. Cause I love, you know, I'm a big hard science guy. So you have those kind of that standard pack. And then you bring up, you make up your own stuff and you do it together and you write things down on paper and you pass them around. And it's a fun little process that people help me develop as a group. And it's just at the end, you come back and you're like, oh, wow, you learned things about the little, little, the little joint that you made. And you just want to play them, want to go explore because it has this procedurally generated component in it where you come up with the, the main idea for the location, but then you pass it to your neighbor and then they come up with an NPC there, and then they pass it, and then that then the neighbor to their left comes up with the trouble for that location. And then you get it back, you're like, well, I knew it was a biker bar, but I didn't know this person was there, and I didn't know it had this problem. Now I really want to go and explore that place. And then, you know, just like people, you know, the, these locations have troubles, and you would kind of work towards resolving them, and they would lead to missions. And then once you kind of solve or resolve a trouble for a location, then you roll that random table and that location gets a new trouble because it's the dystopian future and bad things are unfortunately always happening, but that gives that pressure to make things happen. So that's kind of our community. We have these built-in things to ensure the flavor that we want, but space to give you place to, you know, you want to make a futuristic, you know, whatever, do it. Absolutely. So yeah, that's the community generation. And so it leads to a cycle where you would get missions, you'd go out, you'd do things, you'd come back, the community would change, more missions would come out. You'd have a whole campaign that just comes out organically. And maybe you do take down the big corporations. You know, maybe you do do that whole thing. You know, or maybe you just fix the solar panels and you make a really beautiful cafe. Whatever y'all want to do. <laughs> Our hope is that the rules really allow that. And so far, so good. I love it. There are a lot of games that encourage players to cooperatively create NPCs, locations, and things like that. That is not a brand new concept. Mm -hmm. However, the way you have developed this for 
Axon Punk Overdrive, Colin, I think is a very intuitive way to approach this part of tabletop gaming because it embraces the nature of the game world and brings over what we're doing on the meta level in reality as we are cooperatively writing these stories and making these facts. It's kind of mirroring how in the game these different facts of this fake reality layer and develop themselves. So we've got a nice echo between gameplay and flavor, and I think that helps make it very real and very immersive as we are role-playing. We are going to be talking about the Kickstarter campaign very shortly here. Again, Axon Punk Overdrive is live on Kickstarter today while you are listening to this episode. Please, please, please go check it out. The link is in the show notes. But before we talk about some of the specifics of the campaign, something I always like to bring up with my game designers I talk here on these interviews is actually some stuff that happened during the design process. I personally got to witness some of the changes from point A to point B. I don't always get to see that with some of the people I talk to. But let's just kind of bullet point here. What's one of your favorite parts about Axon Punk as it stands now, Colin? I love the improvisation system that you talked about. It just smooths out so much stuff for me as a GM and for the players. Each character class has its own medium kind of thing in which they work. Engineers build stuff. Street marks make up street connections. It's great. Hackers write software. And so I can say, you know, here's this character sheet. It's got everything you need to know. You know, and sometimes people are like, oh, God, look at all these words. And it doesn't matter, you know, how clean you make it. You'll experience these people are like, oh, rules. And that's great. You know, do your thing. I don't care. I love it. So I can say, just read this paragraph. This tells you what your character's jam is. And then just pay attention to the story and spend more time focused on kind of who your character is, the name, the description, and what is going on in the setting. That matters more than understanding every single thing on the character sheet. We want you to focus on having a good time. And that's been great for conventions, for new players, for people who've never role-played before, they say, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I say, you're a hacker. You write software. You make up viruses. And they say, I don't want to learn the rules to make up a virus. And I say, you don't have to, dude. Just tell me what your virus does. If it's a complex virus enough, I'll make you roll it. And then you just pick your stat, you pick your training, you roll it, and you see how good you did. But it's not just, you can make up anything you want. Which is fine if you're ready for that game, but that gives people choice paralysis. So giving them this bounded creativity, they go off to the races, and I love it. And so that that smooths out so many mechanics, and and that's probably one of my favorite things. So here's a question for you. Has anyone ever said, I want to use martial arts to make out with someone? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) All right, next play <laughs> test. I'm going to do that. Um, that's my promise that's to you right, right now. Uh, I, I really do like uh, how you described and summarized what effect the improvisation really has. It's a nice sum up of what your character is and does, who he or she is. Uh, no, I take that back. It's not who, sh- who they are, but it's how they interact with the game world. It's how they approach problem solving in daily life. And Mm -hmm. I think that dovetails very nicely with your approach of tell me what you want to happen. 
I will help you figure out which stat applies. I'll tell you what works best. If you want to accept it, great. If you want to argue something else, great. You've got this really nice way for anyone to approach the game. If I, as an experienced gamer, say, all right, I think this skill works because XYZ, this stat works because ABC, and you agree, great. If we have another player who has no idea how to roleplay, you can figure it out just as easily and you can both be effective at the game table. Improvisation, at least to the extent of my knowledge, has been part of Axon Punk since the very beginning. Absolutely. So what's something that has changed over the few years you've been working on here? What is something that either did not exist before and now does or something that you had to rip out of the book and throw away? <laughs> so one of the things that got ripped out and thrown away real fast, real early, because um, <laughs> I came to my brother with this outline, this PowerPoint outline that we still have from day one. And I was like, I have all these character classes. I got all this stuff. I got all these ideas. And I had psionics in there. That's a classic cyberpunk thing. You know, you have a little early human evolution little telekinesis, something like that. You know, I had some fun ideas, but it's very easy to start kind of going down a rabbit hole. Human evolution, genetic stuff, it can get real complicated. In the end, we decided to cut that out because we um, wanted to really, really focus on this mechanical and digital body modification. And so we decided to cut, you know, have it human, human focused, cut anything magical or, or any weird, you know, semi-human or demi-human or whatever you call them. Um, stuff and it's just humans it's plugging brains into computers and it's the weird things that come out of that which does include some weird artificial intelligence and some interesting things like that but those things came out of this very defined core that we started out with kind of like the beginning of a game of, of micro uh, microscope or i think you do that in fiasco as well i can't remember but it's like what is on the list of we are not doing and psionics is on there but that will be a future edition or something like that when I decide to make my own psionics game or whatever. Um, and my brother will help me with that when we're ready. Like you said, it's our first game, so we wanted to make it doable. We wanted to define something and do it well. Well, I think you have definitely succeeded in that, Colin. Uh, you have created something that I love, that I feel is very engaging for the general gamer population. So you guys made the right choice. As we are wrapping up here, let's move on to the Kickstarter campaign. We're not going to sit here and read over every backer level. Guys, you can click on the link. You can go read it yourself. You can figure out how much you want to invest into this awesome, awesome game. Colin, though, let us highlight some of the aspects of the campaign itself. I'm going to turn it over to you here. Can we expect things like digital versions and hard copy versions? Absolutely. We have a publisher. I'm so thrilled. We hooked up with Jim McClure from Third Act Publishing, who has done wonderful things like the Terrible RPG and Reflections, as well as Satanic Panic, which will be coming out as a Kickstarter. I'm going to do a little plug on, I think, February 28th. Look for Satanic Panic because it's a great game. Well, we all know that Jim McClure is a dirty, dirty traitor to the RPG Academy Network, so I'm going to have to cut out all of that audio. <laughs> It's it's only fair. You have an unnamed <laughs> publisher who does not wish to be made known at this time. Uh, let's just pick it up right from there. So we got a publisher, which is great. And so you can look forward to physical copies 
of our book, we are doing a offset print run. And so the quality is going to be great. And it's not print on demand. It's going to be really high quality books. We're going to make um, nice PDFs with weird 3D enhanced PDF fun stuff. But the most important thing is that it's $20 a book plus shipping and handling. Handling. So $20 is, or that's right, that's the plan. $20 will get you the book and everything you need to play and go from there. So in addition to that, we've got a couple other, we've got two things that I'm really excited about that I will tell you about real quick. One is our short story collection. In addition to the book, we put together a little collection of little mini stories that I wrote, my brother wrote. And then in addition to that, we are commissioning stories from a bunch of really cool, awesome, diverse authors so that they can bring in their voices and their perspectives to our game world. In addition to just talking with people, building the team from the outside perspective, in the game, we are bringing in voices from other people besides just us. And we're paying them and we're taking their time seriously. And so we have five authors that we've got signed up to add to the collection. And so we're going to have 10 stories for $10 that you get from cool authors. And we have a stretch goal to get five more authors in addition to that. So hopefully we will have this great selection of stories kind of like World War Z inspired first person gonzo style stories that'll teach you about the world um, that you can read. And even if you don't want to commit to buying the full book, drop 10 bucks, buy the short stories and have fun. And then the second thing that I'm really excited about is to continue working on the hip hop theme is that we have talked to some musicians, some rappers and some DJs that we've, that we've known. They've helped us develop the game and a stretch goal is to get a album of digital music from them so that you can have that to play um, while you're writing, while you're reading. The plan will be for it to be mostly instrumental, if not entirely instrumental, so that you can easily play it while you are actually playing Axon Punk to get the flavor and get the music right in there. Exactly what we want. And then you go and have a great time. So those are the three things that we are really excited about. So check check it out. Outstanding. So we have got a very accessible role-playing game book. We have some really engaging stretch goals that are intended to help support the very unique flavor of this game world. And we know that Colin is working with a terrific and very successful game designer. Jim McClure is an outstanding individual, and Third Act Publishing is a wonderful publishing house that is making a name for itself by working with brand new independent designers just like Colin here. So if you take anything away from this part of the conversation, take away that Colin has associated himself with someone who wants to succeed and will make that success happen. So take confidence in these facts. So the last thing I want to touch on here, which is something I talk about with all developers on Kickstarter, what's next? Where is Axon Punk going? Uh, Can we expect some expansion books? Can we expect some new classes, new features, new parts of the game world? What's around the corner for us? I am so excited to, to answer that question because what is next? As soon as we finish Axon Punk, Overdrive, we're going to start working on a game that has already been begun to be developed by the leader of the Sugar Gamers, Keisha Howard. If you go to their website, sugargamers.com, they have a cyberpunk project of their own called Project Violatia, 
which is really cool. And one of the reasons why Keisha and I started collaborating in the first place, because she was like, you're doing cyberpunk, I'm doing cyberpunk, let's figure out how to do this together. But her cyberpunk has more of a biopunk flavor. It's got this cool, like different kind of more like Oryx and Crake kind of corporate, very intriguing flavor to it that that she put together. She's developed this whole world. She was going to make a video game and she's working towards that. And she wants to make it this open source collaborative thing where other people can contribute and really bring people in. But she's from the video game world. And I was like, Keisha, let's make a tabletop role-playing game. You've already got the bones. It's all there. The plan is to take the system from Axon Punk, which already is rules light and flexible, and repurpose it, make new character classes um, for her world, and make the next game, which will be Project Violatia, a sugar gamers game made in collaboration with Axon Punk and the Wrong Brothers. They've got the story written, they've got the photos and the art, it's beautiful, they just need some rules. So we're going to come in, put that together, and that will be the next thing from us. So stick around and look for that. I think we've already got a comic book for sale that we have made for Keisha and the Sugar Gamers for Project Violatia, so you can pick that up for like five bucks or something like that, just to get to know what's coming. So we've got a lot of things in the pipeline, man. I can't wait. It is always good to hear that you guys have development plans and that you are looking towards the future and how you will continue to grow and develop and move your property forward. So ladies and gentlemen, that is Axon Punk Overdrive. Again, this is something that I am incredibly pleased to have played. It is something that I am a huge fan of and cannot recommend enough. Colin, thank you so much not only for joining me here tonight, thank you for sticking around to run a trial of Axon Punk Overdrive. So ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for the next couple days. You will hear Colin stepping into the GM seat and taking myself, Matthew, and Scott for a ride here in his game world, and some shenanigans will ensue. Also, thank you for creating this game. Thank you for having the vision and the dedication to... Give us something new and unique that we can really all enjoy. So any final words for our listeners here, Mr. Colin? I am just thrilled to be here and to be on the on the show and to have this go from a dream where I was just on the phone with my brother, just, hey man, let's make a game and let's make it cool and let's make it with all of these awesome people that make us really happy. And it's going to be a book on a shelf soon. <laughs> It makes me a little teary-eyed, but I really couldn't be happier. And so this is what I really love to do, and I feel like it comes through, and I just want to share it with y'all. So thank you so much. The money is appreciated, but let's game together, and let's keep playing in the future. Well, I can speak to that truth that your passion and excitement about Exxon Punk Overdrive does come shining through with every part of the game. Colin can be found at conventions across this country of ours, so look him up online track him down at conventions, make him run a game for you, you will not be sorry. For myself, for Colin, for Michael, and everyone at the RPG Academy Network, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, 
then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize, but we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.